0: You're listening to a sermon from Red Door Church in Melbourne. For more information, go to reddoorchurch.com.au. With seven seals. I also saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even to look in it. I wept and wept because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or even to look in it. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Look, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw one like a slaughtered lamb standing in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. He went and took the scroll out of the right hand of the one seated on the throne. When he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and golden bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slaughtered, and you purchased people for God by your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them a kingdom and preached to our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and also of the living creatures and of the elders. Their number was countless, thousands, plus thousands of thousands. They said with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing. I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, on the sea, and everything in them say, Blessing and honour and glory and power. Be to the one seated on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped.
1: Please take a seat. Well, it's a great uh, pleasure to be back with you. I always try to dress appropriately for Red Door so and sorry I can't get up any higher than that but there are red socks somewhere down there. It's great to be with you and uh, hi to those who are watching from home as well. Well the uh, scene in Revelation Five is a scene about the nature of heaven and I wonder what your response is when you hear about heaven. Some people imagine that heaven is the most irrelevant place in the whole universe. Some people imagine that this earth is all that there is. Some people imagine that they themselves are the center of the universe. Some people are told that they can create their own reality. Some children are told that they can be whatever they want to be. But the Bible tells us that the one who defines reality is God. And that we shouldn't think of the earth as the centre and the rest as, if you like, just space. Space is not a very nice term, is it? It just means something where there's nothing in particular, basically. Space. But what we have in Revelation is, in the previous chapter, an open door. John sees an open door and a voice saying, come up here and I will show you what must soon take place. And there he saw a throne in heaven and someone seated on that throne. When we think of looking out from the Earth, we think we are looking out at space, at nothing. But in fact, the vision away from Earth is a vision towards the real reality, the central reality of the universe that is God. We humans have a box in which we live, And we don't seem to find God in our box, therefore we say God does not exist or is irrelevant. But if we just opened our eyes to beyond our small box, we would see the glory of the great and gracious God. When we create, when we replace the creator with our own self creation, we say that what really shapes the world is ourselves. We're the ones who define reality. But if you think humans define reality, a good question would be what reality do humans define? We define many realities, most of them self-centred, most of them centred in our ethnic group or our nation or our culture. No, there is one seated on the throne, one God, so there is one centre to this universe, one ruler, one reality, one provider, one life giver, One judge, one truth, one morality, one God to be worshipped, trusted, obeyed, served, honoured, loved, known, praised, thanked and glorified. Many people think there are many gods, many ways many realities. Atheists think there is no reality, we're just billions of little realities. In the words of a recent programme, trying to make meaning in a meaningless universe. But we don't have to make or create meaning because meaning is God-given. Reality is God-given. This universe is God-given. God's truth is God-given. And there is only one God to be adored, trusted, honoured, loved, known, praised, and sanctified, and glorified. So Revelation continues, five, continues that picture. And if you find it helpful to close your eyes and imagine the scene, then please do that, but don't fall asleep. Then I saw in the right hand of the one seated on the throne, a scroll with writing on both sides, sealed with seven seals. A scroll is uh, a rolled up piece of paper This particular rolled up piece of paper has writing on both sides and it's sealed with seven seals, that's wax seals, to keep it from being read. And this piece of paper, this scroll, is human history, cosmic history, universal history. Oddly enough, in the first century when this was written, emperors of Rome used to leave their will in the form of a scroll sealed with seven wax seals which which could only be opened on the death of the emperor. It was the last will and testament of the Roman emperor. And I also saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? The scroll is not just what will take place, but what must take place in the hand of God. Well, what do we think is going to happen to this world, to this universe? Some people believe that we'll keep on making more and more progress until we can do whatever we want. Some people fear that uh, that our resources will be exhausted. There will be no food left to feed the millions. Others fear a climate change in which our world will be changed beyond recognition, or a nuclear winter in which our world will be changed beyond recognition. The 20th 20th century has been described as the most violent century in human history, with millions killed. What will the 21st century be like? Will there be a nuclear war? Will billions be exterminated? Will we see another world war? Will we see the collapse
2: of civilization? We should
1: shape the present by the future. I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? What a haunting question that is. Please notice, it's not who has the power to do it, or who's found a clever system to do it. The question is who is worthy to
2: do it? doesn't
1: matter how powerful our world rulers are – they are not worthy to open the scroll and break its seals. But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even to look in it. And I wept and wept, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or even to look in it. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep, look, the Lion from the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has conquered, so that he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. The Lion of the tribe of Judah, a reference to Genesis 49, Judah is a lion's cub. The Root of David, a reference to Isaiah chapter 11, a a king of David's line, a man of Judah, a man of David's line, that must be the Lord Jesus Christ. He has conquered so that he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. That's what John hears and this this is what he sees. Then I saw one like a slaughtered lamb standing in the midst of the throne. And the four living creatures and among the elders. Well, I've seen plenty of dead lambs. I've never seen a slaughtered lamb standing. Dead lambs look particularly dead, I might tell you. But this slaughtered lamb is a standing slaughtered lamb that is risen from the dead. That's Jesus who died and rose again he still bears the signs of slaughter of his death he is one like a slaughtered lamb but he's standing and not just standing up standing up again alive but standing where in the midst of the throne that is where god is seated so here is a lamb slaughtered, risen from the dead, and and standing where God is seated in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders. And he's not just slightly resurrected, but he has seven horns all-powerful, seven eyes all-seeing, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the world. And he went and took the scroll out of the right hand of the one seated on the throne, his father. And when he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, worshiping the lamb, notice. Each one had a harp and a golden bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. That's our prayers. Isn't that lovely? The littlest, the smallest prayer you pray, the quietest prayer you pray, the prayer you think and don't actually say out loud, is raised by God to his throne. Each one had a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are our prayers, our prayers today and yesterday and tomorrow and every day, bringing praise to God. We often ask the question, don't we, is my prayer answered? Well, by that we mean, is my prayer answered the way I want it to be answered? And at the time, I want it to be answered. But however and whenever our prayers are answered, they are always praise to God. We praise God by praying to him because then we are addressing, addressing him as our God, acknowledging he, that he is our God. Even if our prayer is God, I can't cope. or, oh, I believe, help my unbelief or forgive me, the most desperate prayer is still a prayer of praise to God. And they sang a new song. You're worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slaughtered and you purchased people for God by your blood, that is by your death, from every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them a kingdom and priests our God and they will reign on earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne and also of the living creatures and the elders. Their number was countless thousands plus thousands of thousands. They said with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth and on the sea and everything in them say, Blessing and honour and glory and power be to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb for ever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. So from all the nations, from all the tribes and from all the people, God has made one people, a kingdom, and priests to our God, and they will reign on the earth. We recently had an art exhibition at the church I go to at Easter. We had an art exhibition and members of the church, young and old, had uh, done their artwork and brought it along and it was in the kind of foyer of the church uh, and we invited people to come in from outside and to look at it. One of the, one of the uh, paintings, I'm, I failed art at school so I'm not uh, a painter, but one of the paintings had the scene at Gethsemane as Jesus was being arrested and it was a, it was a very dark picture, but as you looked at it more closely your eyes were drawn in to see Jesus. He was illuminated by the lamps of the soldiers who had come to get him. So you were drawn in to see that and then as you looked around you saw a couple of disciples fleeing and a, a dropped sword on the ground. So what the painting did was You could look at it from a distance and not see anything, but the closer you got to it, the more you were drawn into the picture. And that's, I think, what happens with these visions in Revelation. The more we look at them, the more we are drawn into the picture. And I want to focus on one aspect of that picture. You purchased people for God by your blood from every tribe, and language and people and nation, you made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign on the earth. Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing.
2: Are you converted?
1: Are you converted to the belief that there is just one God, one throne, one centre, one creator, one truth, one reality, one universe, one humanity, one saviour, one judge,
2: one God? I hope you are.
1: Are you converted to that one Saviour, that one lion, the root of David, one slain lamb, one risen lamb, standing, slaughtered lamb, standing at the centre of God's throne, who by his blood purchased people from every tribe, language, people and nation? Are you converted to that one Saviour, one God, one Saviour? Are you converted to the fact that there is one Word of God, one message of God, the Bible inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, one central history, one truth, one way to live, which includes this chapter, Revelation chapter 5? And are you converted to the belief and trust and hope that there is one people of God from every tribe? and language and people and nation, one universal people of God, one holy nation, one kingdom and priest to our God who will reign on earth. We often hear the gospel as if it's just about me. God loved you and God has saved you. Isn't that wonderful? Yes it is, but just as wonderful is that God has saved a people and has called you to be part of God's people. God's created a people for himself. And just as wonderful is that God wants people from every tribe and language and people and nation to be gathered into his own people by the blood of Christ. You're worthy to open the seals because you were slaughtered and you purchased people for God by your blood. People from every tribe and language and people and nation. So every time you pray, your kingdom come, you're praying that the message of Jesus will go to people in every tribe and language and people and nation. Every time you pray, your will be done. You're praying that the message of the good news of Jesus, the gospel of Christ, will go to every tribe and language and people and nation. Every time you pray, your kingdom come. That's exactly what we're praying. That people from every tribe, language, uh, people and nation will be part of the people of God gathered to, to, to praise the Lord Jesus around the throne of God. There are uh, seven billion people in the world, I'm told, unless there have been more births overnight. It's at least seven billion. Uh, Two billion of them have no access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. No church, no minister, no Bible, no way of hearing about Jesus Christ. That's two out of every seven people in the world have no way of finding out about the Lord Jesus. Even in Christian countries, things aren't going terribly well. I've got a friend in England who told me there was a recent survey and of the Protestant churches in England, only 25%, that is one quarter, have any children's ministry or youth ministry. One quarter. That means the rest have no children or young people. Is that not disturbing? Or closer at home, there is around Australia a universal need for youth workers in churches. And if you're a principal of a Bible college, as I was, people ring you up all the time and say, We need a youth worker. Have you got any? And you have to say, well, there's actually not a great supply. I used to say, perhaps you've got somebody in your church whom you could send to be trained as a youth worker. Have you thought of doing that? No, we hadn't really. Well, I would say if I was feeling an expansive mood, if no church has sent people to train to be youth workers, there will be no youth, youth workers available. It's a bit like doctors, isn't it? If the government doesn't provide enough places for medical students or nurses or, or childcare workers or whoever, then in 10 years' time or 20 years' time, there won't be enough to go around. It's, it's simple, isn't it? And that's happening around the Western world at present. There is not a sufficient supply of people offering for full-time gospel ministry, even to keep churches going in nominally Christian countries let alone uh, taking the Gospel to those who have no access to Christ. No wonder Jesus told his disciples to pray to the Lord of the harvest to raise up workers for the harvest.
2: Well, I want to
1: encourage you to pray every day that God would raise up workers for the great Gospel harvest. I want you to pray that God will raise up men and women from this church to take part in that great gospel harvest. How wonderful if in 10 years time 10 people had gone out from this church to serve all around the world. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Why don't you pray every day that God would not only convert people to Christ through this church, but that they'd be so well trained that in ten years' time they'd be heading off to college, to Bible college or theological college in order to go and work elsewhere around the world. Friends of friends of mine there um, they began a prayer in the nineteen in nineteen ten for the, the Kingdom of Nepal to open to the gospel. And it took decades and decades until Nepal opened for the Gospel. There are now, I'm told, a million Christians in Nepal. Isn't that amazing? So perhaps God would put on your heart a country where it's difficult to get the Gospel in and you could start praying for that country, couldn't you? Or you could pray for a country where the Church is growing which is exciting, but it needs more depth and uh, more uh, deep Bible teaching and deep Bible understanding. And pray fervently that God would raise up Bible teachers for that, for that country. And uh, think of all those Australians who have been brought up not knowing anything about Jesus Christ. The fields are white to harvest, Jesus said. The harvest is plentiful, but the labourers are few. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would raise up workers for his harvest. Why should we do this? Because we are converted to one God and one Saviour and one word of God and one people of God. And because one day we want to join praising the Lord Jesus, saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, because you were slaughtered and you purchased people for God by your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you've made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they will reign on the earth. And worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing. May God put this hope and these prayers and these actions deep in your life and deep in the life of this church. As we finish, we are going to join in those wonderful songs uh, in Revelation Chapter 5, so please have your Bible open. Uh, It's uh, page 1092. If you look at Revelation Chapter 5, You'll say you'll see that the songs uh, are sort of uh, highlighted by being narrower than the rest of the text. So we're going to say together those three uh, songs from Revelation chapter five. Would you like to stand to do that? Uh, where the first one we're addressing the slaughtered lamb standing in the midst of the throne uh, with seven horns and seven eyes. Together you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered and you purchased people for God by your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation you made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign on the earth." And again, singing praise to the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing. And finally, we're praising God, the Father, and the Lamb, the Lord Jesus. Blessing and honour and glory and power be to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb for ever and ever. Amen.